as I said, Valleybrook's been around for a while, and for the last year, we have actually been in the Gospel of John, going section by section through John's Gospel. And uh, it just so happens that as we approach Easter week, we're at that section in John's Gospel where Jesus is on the cross. All right, two weeks ago, we talked about what crucifixion really was. And last week, we talked about the shame of crucifixion. We talked about the thieves that were nailed on crosses next to Jesus. And then we talked about the sign that was nailed over Jesus' head. And we want to continue uh, to, to look at what happened on the cross. And the theme of this message today, as we look at, at John 19 is prophecy. God, in Isaiah 46, mocks idols. He says, you chop down a tree, and you nail it to the ground, and you talk to it. Does it talk back to you? No. Can it really do anything? No. Can it predict the future? No. And then God says, I am God. And there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. So God is saying one way you can know who the true God is versus false gods is they can't tell the future. I tell you what's going to happen well in advance. So, Three times in our scripture today, in John 19, by the way, it's printed in your bulletin. This is the ESV, English Standard Version. Um, You are more than welcome to bring any version uh, you would like. Um, I use the ESV and usually print out the scripture there. But uh, let's take a look at the beginning of John 19. It says, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. So uh, they would strip bare naked those they were crucifying. And usually there were four Roman soldiers. It was their job. They did this every day. Let's just kill another guy. And they had stripped off Jesus' clothing. Each soldier got a piece of clothing, but there's one very valuable piece of clothing left, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one place from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scriptures, which says, and now John, writing a thousand years later, is going to quote from Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 says this, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. So David, King David, wrote Psalm 22. In fact, even the 
the title of the Psalms uh, are, are part of inspired scripture. So Psalm 22, written 1000 B.C., before Christ, it, it says, To the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, we don't know what that tune went like. If the worship team can figure that out, that would be great, and we could do some music to the, the doe of the dawn. But then it says, A Psalm of David. Okay? Now, David begins, now we're going we're gonna to get to a part in this psalm where it talks about his clothes being uh, divided up according to lot, all right? But before we get there, David writes this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Now, I'm going to read the rest, but let me point out that John does not report this, but Matthew reports that as Jesus is about to die after six hours on the cross, Matthew says this, Now from the sixth hour, which is noon, okay, don't worry about how they figure it out, but it's, it's noon. So now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So he's crucified at nine in the morning. The sun is out until noon, but then from noon until three, there's darkness over the entire land. Some, some people go, well, that must have been an eclipse. No, eclipses do not last for three hours. This was some supernatural darkening of the day. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, so that's in, that's in uh, Aramaic, but then Matthew translates it. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what Jesus is doing right before he dies is he's reciting verse 1 of Psalm 22. Now, let me, let me get kind of deep here, all right? Let me talk about two different kinds of prophecy. First of all, there's what you would call typological prophecy. Typological prophecy is where someone or something in the Old Testament foreshadows Jesus. All right? David in many ways, is a type. So David is Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. He does things and he says things that are repeated by Jesus. And many times the New Testament author will say, to fulfill the scriptures Jesus said or Jesus did. It's not that there was a prediction. It's that an event or a saying foreshadows, it's a type of, and it's fulfilled in a deeper way in the life of Jesus. So let me, let me give you a, a, another example of this. After Mary and Joseph flee with baby Jesus from Herod, Herod's trying to kill Jesus, they go to Egypt. And then, when Herod dies, they feel safe to come back to Israel. They're called back to Israel. 
So, Matthew says this in Matthew 2.15. This, them, them being called back to Israel, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew says them coming back out of Egypt fulfills, and this is a quote from the prophet Hosea. Here's the problem. Hosea, when you look at what he's talking about, is looking back to the Exodus when God called the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. Now people look at Matthew here and they go, oh, he's misquoting scripture. No. Here's what he's doing. He's saying Jesus is the ultimate son of God. God foreshadowed him being called out of Egypt by having the Exodus take place 1,500 years beforehand. The Exodus is a type that is fulfilled in Jesus being called out of Egypt. So there's, there's what you call typological prophecy. It doesn't say, I predict that a baby will be called out of Egypt. No, it just it, it makes a connection between an Old Testament event and a New Testament event. So that's what you call typological prophecy. Second kind of prophecy is called predictive prophecy. And this is just simply where an Old Testament author says X about the coming Messiah. For example, when uh, the wise men came looking for the newborn king of Israel, they go to Jerusalem and they say, hey, where is the, the Messiah? Where's the king supposed to be born? And the scholars take out their, their scrolls and they look at the, the prophet Micah. And in Micah 5.2, and this was written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, it says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. So a king of Israel will be born in Bethlehem, whose comings forth is from old and from ancient days. So the scholars said, yeah, Micah predicted that the king of Israel, the Messiah, must be born in Bethlehem. So they go to Bethlehem. So that's predictive prophecy. So you've got typological prophecy, and you've got predictive prophecy. What is Psalm 22? I think it's both. I think it's David going through a difficult time in his life, and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and that is a type of the ultimate difficulty, the ultimate agony that Jesus is going through. But we start in David's day. Okay, He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Now the fact that he is crying day and night tells me that we're in David's realm, not yet in Jesus' realm. But it's still a type. Now, I want you to notice something else. While David begins by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a cry of lament. But the psalm itself raises hope and faith in God. He goes on and he says, yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel, 
in you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. So, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I feel abandoned, but I'm going to remind myself that you are a trustworthy God. You have delivered your people again and again and again. So, the, the, the psalm in whole is a psalm of faith, not just a psalm of complaint. So when Jesus on the cross cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is he really saying that he, he is forsaken by God? Or is he barely able to, to, to say forth Psalm 22.1? He's feeling the agony, yet it's a psalm of ultimate trust in God. All right? that, that's what's going on here. Okay? But now, David, as he's writing Psalm 22, starts to morph into a prophet where he's not just talking about his own suffering in his own day, but he starts to talk about the suffering of the Messiah. So let me go to verse 6. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. I don't, I've never heard that phrase before, but uh, I know at school, do they, they make mouths at you? Uh, they make mouths at me. They're, they're making fun of me. They wag their heads. Now, here's what they say to David. He trusts in the Lord. Let him, let the Lord deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. So, David, you're this godly man, and we're surrounding you, and uh, and, and you are ready to die. And they mock him. Oh, you trust in the Lord. Let God rescue you now. Now, Matthew, a thousand years later, says this. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. And look at what they say. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. Little bit different wording, but in essence, the mocking of uh, the people that are mocking Jesus is virtually identical to those who, who mock David. So the question is, is this a type? Or has David now morphed into predicting exactly what would happen in the life of Jesus. But it gets even more amazing. Verse 12, Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. So he's using animal-like imagery. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. Like I'm surrounded by killer animals. I'm poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. When we talked about crucifixion a couple weeks ago, uh, we pointed out that when a man was crucified, the weight of his body pulled down and many times the shoulders became dislocated. Now we know nothing in the life of David where this would have happened. It's not mentioned at all in Scripture. 
But here, the prophet David is talking about the, 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 the bones being dislocated. All right? My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Later on, Jesus is going to cry out, I thirst. When you were crucified, you, you lost so much blood that you became just incredibly dehydrated. Okay. A company, or for, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. Now look at this. They have pierced my hands and feet. So 1,000 years before Jesus is nailed by his hands and his feet to a cross, David writes, they have pierced my hands and feet. We know nothing in the life of David where that happened. Now, do you want to get really deep in the weeds? Say yes. Okay. <laughs> in your English Bible, there's usually a little footnote, and it will say, most Hebrew manuscripts actually say this, like a lion, they are at my hands and feet. The word for pierced and the word for lion in Hebrew are virtually identical. There's just a little stroke of a pen difference. So the Hebrew Bible, it's called the Masoretic Text, has like a lion my hands and feet. Your English Bibles, most English Bibles, have, they have pierced my hands and feet. Okay? Now, you go, well, why, why did, was it tampered with? Why have we put pierced? Why don't we go with the Hebrew? All right, here we go. We're going to get deep now. Okay? So, here we are today. Okay? And this is the time of Jesus. The Old Testament was completed by 400 B.C., so it was from 1500 to 400 B.C. When Jewish scribes would copy the Old Testament, they would destroy, destroy the older copies. So they would copy, 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 and uh, the, the, for, for a long time, the earliest version, or the latest version, of the Old Testament was 1000 AD. We just didn't have older copies because they destroyed them. And the Masoretic text, the copies of the Hebrew Bible, have the word lion. Okay? You say, well, what about the Dead Sea Scrolls? Because they did find uh, copies of the Old Testament before the time of Jesus. But Psalm 22 you can't read this word. It's almost like the scribe put his mocha coffee on, on it. There's a smudge and you can't read it. So, the earliest copy we have of the Hebrew Bible says in the Hebrew, lion. But, there's this thing called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew. It dates back to around 200 B.C. 
It's written in Greek. It's a translation from Hebrew to Greek. Guess what it's, it has for Psalm 22. Before, before Jesus was even born, it says, they have pierced my hands and feet. Okay? So, now I, I told you we got real deep here. Do you always go with the Hebrew? Well, in most cases you do. But when the Septuagint has a different reading, and, and the, 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 Maser, or the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls don't have a clear reading, I think it's legitimate to go with the earliest translation as opposed to the later Hebrew. Okay? Now, let's say that's all wrong. Let's say it says, at my hands and feet is a lion. What would a lion do to your hands and feet? Pierce them, right? So either way, it's an amazing prophecy. Okay? Now, you go, that is fascinating. Didn't we start out talking about clothes being gambled for with lots? Yes. So, so let's, uh, let's keep going here. I got some arrows, don't worry about those, okay. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. So as you're hanging on the cross, obviously your bones are sticking. You can count your ribs, right? Then it says, remember, Psalm 22, written a thousand years before Jesus, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Again, we know nothing Nothing that happened in David's life where, where he would be referring to this. But here the soldiers say, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scriptures which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Amazing. Right? Now, let me quickly cover two more prophecies. John goes on, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, and John writes, to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. He's barely alive, and he shouts out, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a Sponge full of the sour wine on it. Some translations say vinegar. So let's say you, are, you go on a, a hard workout and you're dehydrated and you're super thirsty. How would it be to take a bottle of vinegar and chug that down? Okay. They put a sponge full of the sour wine on, on a hyssop branch and they held it to his mouth. Psalm 69, you know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food and for my thirst. They gave me sour wine to drink. A thousand years before this took place on the cross. Now, one, one last thing. 
since it was the day of preparation, okay, so this is the day before the big Passover uh, feast, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Hey, we've got a big celebration. We can't have... Uh, we got to kill these guys so we can celebrate something that will glorify God. I mean, it just makes no sense. But they asked Pilate, can we just go break the legs of these guys that are crucified? We've got a big party to go to. Okay. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with him. Now you go, what's that all about? So really the way uh, a person died of crucifixion. They're in agony because of the nails and the weight, but your legs are pushing up on the nail and letting down so you can breathe. If you're you're not pushing up and letting down, you can't breathe. So, to bring the suffocation, to, to have it happen quicker, they would just break the legs of the person. They would sag down, they couldn't breathe, and they would die of suffocation. So they do that to the thieves on either side, but it it says when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. How How do they know he's dead? Well, if you're alive, you're breathing, and if you're breathing, you're pulling up and down, and he's just, he's dead, okay? But to make sure that he's really dead, it says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Water would gather around the heart as uh, as you're suffocating. So they're piercing through his ribs, and water and blood flow out. He who saw has borne witness, his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. So, so what's he talking about? The fact that he's already dead, they don't break his legs, but they stab him. That was all predicted. And here's the quote. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, the scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Now, not one of his Uh, Not one of his bones will be broken. A lot of people think that that's referring to Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, and not one of them is broken. And it could be referring to that. I tend to think that, that really what's going on here is this. For 1,500 years, the Jews would have a Passover meal. And part of the Passover meal, they would take a lamb, kill the lamb, drain the blood, cook the lamb, eat the lamb, but part of the deal was you don't break its bones. Exodus 12:46. It shall be eaten in one house, you shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. Why? I mean, there's, there, there's no good reason. I mean, I, I'm the guy who does the turkey on, 
on uh, Thanksgiving, and we have one of those those electric. Zzzz, but it gets frustrating. You can't you can't really get around the. So I break it. Turkey juice flying all over. When we had a dog, he loved that. He just licked that up. Right. You're not allowed to break the bones. And the Jews were very observant, um, very obedient. They didn't break the bone. They, they didn't know why. And John tells us now, all those thousands of lambs where you didn't break the bones, it's all a picture, all a prophecy fulfilled in the ultimate Lamb of God as he's dying on the cross. The bones are not broken. But he is pierced. Okay? What's that all about? Zechariah 12.9. Now, Zechariah is another Old Testament prophet. Probably the least read Old Testament prophet. Okay? When's the last time you read Zechariah? But he talks about the end times. And it says, And on that day I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one who weeps over a firstborn. All right, now, a lot of complexity here, but bottom line, in the end times, Jerusalem's going to be surrounded by nations. And God is going to uh, have mercy on Israel. Most of them will be in unbelief. And then the one whom they have pierced will return. And they will mourn, hopefully, in repentance and believe in Jesus. But a couple of interesting things. It is the Lord who is speaking, and he refers to himself as, uh, well, I'm looking back here, um, <laughs> me on him whom they have pierced. God, they'll look on me, him whom they have pierced. This appears one more time, last book of your Bible, Revelation. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. Zechariah prophesies that this God will be pierced. John says, yep, I looked on him whom they pierced, and in the end times, the one whom they pierced will return, and many will, many will wail, hopefully some in repentance, others in, oh no, it was him. All right? So, what do, we, what do we learn today? God is a God who can tell the future. He brings to pass his plan. Thousands of years or a thousand years before the time of Christ, in minute detail, these things were prophesied and on the cross, Jesus fulfills them. The God of the Bible is real. The Bible is inspired. It's, 
It's not just a human book. Yes, it was written by human authors, but it was inspired by God. None of this makes any sense apart from an inspired book. And then finally, what's most important is this shows that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's pray and let's worship him. Lord, thank you for dying for our sin. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for your great love. And then, Lord, we ask, well, how do we know this really happened? How do we know we can trust that, it, that it's uh, genuine and true? And, Lord, you embed within your word prophecy, unexplainable prophecy that all points to the truthfulness that you are a God who knows all, who reveals all. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who was pierced for our transgressions. Thank you that you raised him from the dead. Thank you that he is our Savior. And Lord, we want to worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.